The Fake Show podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, Hash House A Go-Go, Brew City Brand Apparel, The Food Connection LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. I get a text at work, all capitals, at the vet, get here now. Anyone who owns a pet and sees the word vet panics immediately, because your first thought is, this is going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> she has the surgery, and then it turns out, my little dog's going blind, and it's breaking my heart. But my wife, my beautiful wife, you know what she did? She took little bells, and she safety pinned them to the back of her jeans. So now when she walks around the house, ding, 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 the dog can hear the bells. And my dog follows her around the house, and she's happy. I don't know if she feels the compassion from another being, or it's the weed. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we live in California, and you can get weed biscuits. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. That was a moment from Adam Ferrara's new album, Unconditional. Welcome to the show. My guest is longtime friend, comedian, actor Adam Ferrara, who has starred in such shows as Rescue Me, Nurse Jackie, and Top Gear. Now, Adam has a new film and album, plus he's coming to Las Vegas at the end of the month. I've got Adam Ferrara on the line right now from his home in Los Angeles. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, my friend. How are you? Good. It's been a long time. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you had just wrapped up shooting Nurse Jackie, which which I loved a lot. That must have been a great uh, time for you. Oh, yeah. It was a great time. Edie Falco was just extraordinary. And those, uh, my time on the show was a, a lot of fun. It was, it was exhausting because I was also shooting Top Gear at the same time. So I didn't sleep much for a couple of years, but... Uh, Right. It was a lot of fun. And one of the things on the show is like I, my character was uh, 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 was a, was a police officer. So I remember the first time I got there and, I, and they asked me to join the cast. I, I went down to the prop department because I read the script where I had to pull up in a cop car. And I asked for a, a Ford Crown Vic P seventy one rear wheel drive cop car because I told them, listen, <laughs> if I get if I get into a fight, if Jackie and Frank get into a fight, I can express my anger by doing a burnout with a rear wheel drive car. Look at me and said. Who are you? And I got a front-wheel drive Chevy. That's hysterical. Yeah. Well, it, with, with that show, because I know that you had done the Rescue Me, did you have to audition for that part? I'll tell you exactly what happened. I, I was home from Top Gear. I was on the road for, for a while, and then I got a, uh, my manager called me and said, um, they want you to fly to New York. And I went, no. They said, they want you to fly to New York and, uh, and read with Edie Falco. And I said, Oh, let me ask my wife. I go, honey, I want me to play. She says, go. So I went. I read with Edie uh, on a on a uh, Monday, and we started shooting the show on a on a Wednesday. I believe. And wasn't this really going to be a limited amount of shows for you? But the chemistry turned up to be so great with Edie that it lasted for several episodes. I to join the cast, so I was there for two years, and uh, it was really, really a, a great time. And, and a great role. The same goes for uh, Rescue Me, and I'm assuming that that was something where Dennis Leary said, hey, come on over, I've got a part for you. When we did stand-up together, uh, we would do a, a, a lot of events together, charity events together, he would ask me to be part of. And then when this uh, role came up for this chief, uh, I went in and I did a recurring role for uh, you know a couple episodes, and then they said, listen, uh, we want to join the cast. And I said, yes, I do. And uh, we were together for, uh, I was on the show for about, I think, four out of the seven years or five out of seven years. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but uh, it was a great time working with my friends again. I can only imagine what kind of fun you guys were having on that set. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Dennis's trailer was like the barracks, you know, so we would all hang out in there. And we were, and we were all smoking at the time, so there'd be just, just cigarette smoke billowing <laughs> out of the trailer. It looked like we elected a pope, Jim. <laughs> and we would all hang around uh, uh, and, uh, and, and hang in Dennis's trailer. It, it was a great time. 
I don't know if you've seen the part that he has currently on Animal Kingdom, but man, is he a jerk on that show. He's got that range where you can really love the guy or he can, uh, or he can really piss you off. With Top Gear, now I've heard uh, two different stories with this. Now, you were on that for, I think, more than six years. And so is it do- is it done, or are they trying to resurrect it at this point? Well, what is happening is um, the uh, the Top Gear version of the three of us is, is pretty much over. I mean, uh, the contract wasn't renewed, and, and Top Gear was going through uh, some changes. Um, so catchy. So in that, that incarnation of the three of us uh, is done. But... You know, there's people in suits that like the three of us. So hopefully, if God wants the show to come back, the three of us, uh, we still love each other. So I know we want to do it. If I could tell you more, I would, Jim. Right. You know, I've only known you really as an established stand-up. You know, you were successful when when I met you. How did it start for you? I know that you were a kid influenced by different comics. And it started, um, my, my, my parents were very funny, although they didn't know it. And then I remember when I was 12 years old, uh, we went to one of those parties. Um, that you go to with your parents, you know, where your mother gives you the warning in the car when she turns around and says, now your father does business with these people, you better behave yourself. Uh, right. <laughs> and they watched the Richard Pryor concert, and we weren't allowed to watch it because we were kids, but I snuck into the TV room when they, went, when they went into the kitchen for coffee, and I rewound it, and I remember watching it, and it just, it just blew the top of my head off. I was like, I didn't understand a lot of it, but I remember saying to nobody, Jim, Look what this man can do. I mean, he was holding this audience in his hands, and I had no, I didn't know I wanted to be a comic or that was what's going to happen to me. I just knew that what I was looking at was important. Um, and, uh, and making people laugh was a way I could fit in at school and, and a way I could, uh, I could take the stress away from my dad. I remember specifically my dad was this big, giant man, and he was always stressed out trying to, from work, you know, trying to provide for the family. And when I made him laugh, that face went away. So I think psychologically that did something. I think, uh, I, and I think that's what uh, kind of dragged me into, uh, into stand-up. And I'm very, I'm very appreciative to come back to Vegas to do stand-up. I'm going to be at the Top Golf. Yeah, August 24th and 25th. One show each night, 9 o'clock. Top Golf is behind the MGM Grand Hotel. Uh, free parking. It's 15 bucks for a show, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it's a great venue. We can't wait to see you there. Are you old enough to have seen Richard Pryor and the transformation he went through from the Richard Pryor we saw in a jacket and tie on the Ed Sullivan show to all of a sudden this super hip guy with the, you know, with the fro and the mustache? I did get to meet him. I uh, met him a couple times, and uh, I met him, and I met George Carlin, and I met Don Rickles. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to do the Tonight Show. I got to do Letterman. And so I've, I've been really, really blessed, man. I got to do a lot of stuff. I played Carnegie Hall. I played, uh, it was funny. I played Radio City Music Hall as part of the Rescue Me Comedy Tour. And I told my dad, my mom, I said, I'm playing Radio City. And my father goes, yeah, your mother says you're also doing the Mohegan Sun Casino. We're going to come to that one. <laughs> oh, man, that is great. Yeah. <laughs> That is well, that. How much did that mean to you personally, though, to play Carnegie Hall? And yeah, I got to play all these things. I mean, it was, it's well, Jim. When you go through it, you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but you're so focused on what you're doing, and that so you really don't really enjoy it till after it's over. For me, anyway, after it was over, I tried to really absorb the moment, but I think the moment was just too big for me. But after it was over, going, oh man, and you know, I still got my place in New York, and I walked past Carnegie Hall, and I look up, and I went. I was on that stage, yeah. so it's it's it kind of it kind of keeps coming back to you. Um, I, I wish I was more spiritually evolved to be in the present moment and, and absorb everything that I can, but I can't. 
So I guess like, it's got to come to me a little bit at a time. Yeah, well, you know, and it, seriously, it, it's all going by so fast that you can only sometimes look back on it, I guess. In the case of George Carlin, what was it about him? I mean, he, he did have a way of kind of uh, using words in a way that nobody had done before. Yeah, Carlin, he was, he was a mechanic with words, and he was, he was very prolific, and he was very thoughtful in his words. And when I was a kid, Pryor was, I remember, Pryor emotionally just moved me. I mean, he had that pathos. He had, he could make you laugh and he could break your heart. He would just, he would just, he would just grab you and suck you in. And, and, and Carlin was just a genius. It was just, you could watch how he could not only turn a phrase, but take an idea and twist it and, uh, and make you think. So for me, Pryor made me feel and, um, and, and Carlin made me think. And then Mel Brooks just made me fall out laughing. I mean, the 2000 year old man, it was, uh, it was a little <laughs> older than I was, but it was given to me, uh, um, it was given to me by by my uncle, and um, and uh, it, it just it made him laugh. And then when I saw um, Young Frankenstein, it just I went through, I went through the <laughs> laughing. And I got to work with Cloris Leachman on Top Gear. I made a Pope mobile out of a '69 Lincoln Mark III, and I and I picked up Cloris Leachman and I took her to uh, to the Emmys, and she yelled at me because I got lost and I got the. <laughs> I flattened out all the tires because I backed over spikes. And I had a horse. I had a horse when he uh, hooked up to the horn, so I could do the Frau Booker joke. <laughs> you know, Cloris Leachman. She's pretty interesting. I, I've interviewed her before. I remember talking to her about you know doing movies like Butch Cassidy. She had just a brief scene in that as the uh, you know one of the call girls, and also talked about how she had a little bit of a one night stand with Gene Hackman at one point, and the way she described it was just hysterical. Oh, that's, that's hysterical. Actually, when we when we were shooting Top Gear, I couldn't drive for two episodes because I, I separated my shoulder. So the gag was they found an old stunt driver to drive for me, and his name was Mickey, and he was one of the stunt guys <laughs> that did the jump at the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. So I bought dinner every night and just tortured them. They'd tell me stories. Oh, yeah, no kidding. So you you get a lot of acting roles these days. How much does your stand-up help with help with what you do as an actor? Just, I would think, the memorizing alone. Well, it, everything helps because, you know, I got ADD, so I can't focus on one thing for too long. And stand-up's great because it's immediate, but you're, you're alone a lot. I mean, you know, you're on the road. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Vegas gig because I get to drive. I love to drive. So I'm going to drive from California to Vegas. I'm going nice. to two nights at Top Golf, uh, and I get to drive back home. So that's why I'm looking forward to uh, to doing stand up there again. And the last time I was in Vegas, uh, I did stand up and I hosted an event for Shelby at the Shelby Auto Museum. And they said, "Listen, we'll fly you in." I go, "Or you could send me a Mustang to drive." And they did. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Steve McQueen, right? The Shelby that he drove in Bullet. Yeah, the 68 390 Fastback. Highland Man. You've got a film called Little Italy coming out, and it's got a really nice cast. I saw the trailer, and it looks really good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's coming out uh, September 21st. Uh, it's a limited release. It's called Little Italy. It stars uh, Emma Roberts, Hayden Christensen, uh, myself, Alyssa Milano, Danny Aiello, Andrea Martin. Uh, Jane Seymour, and it's uh, it's basically uh, Romeo and Juliet with two warring pizza families, and I'm right. Lord Capulet. Yeah, and it's, it, it was really a lot, a lot of fun, and really, really great people, and uh, and uh, and it, it's good for the whole family. So between that and coming to Vegas to do stand up, I'm pretty busy. How cool is that to work with Danny Aiello and Andrea Martin? I mean, two legends, right? Oh, it was great. And Andrea played my mother, so we spent a lot of time together. And I remember there was one scene uh, early on in the flashback scene. 
where we didn't have an end for the for, we didn't have an end beat, and I said, "Just hit me in the head, you're my mother," and she liked that. <laughs> right. So that kept happening throughout the movie. I don't know how many times they're going to use it, but I, but I took a lot of shots. I know also that you have a new album coming out. I believe it's called Unconditional. Yeah. It's available for iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or go to the store page on my website, adamferrara.com. Uh, it's called Unconditional. I was Sirius's, uh XM's Comic of the Month, uh, and it got a lot of uh, airplay, and I got a lot of great response for it. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of it, and I hope people pick it up. And is it actually out on vinyl as well? That's the cool thing. It yeah. Download and they and they're gonna they're gonna press it in vinyl. That's great. I know. By the way, where did you record this? Uh, over New Year's, um, I did a, I did a couple of days at Gotham's in the New Year's show, and they uh, they came down and recorded me, and uh, I I couldn't be happier with it. By the way, how important is it to record at a place that you love and you feel you know super comfortable in? It's great because when you can you can forget about you know you always try to forget about the cameras you always try and forget about the, the recordings and stuff uh, but if you're in a, a comfortable environment it just kind of helps you that much more to be able to do that I mean you never really do it uh, at least I, I haven't gotten to the point uh, where I can consistently just be in in, in the moment without um, without being aware of the surroundings and what's going on but it really helps when the uh, when you're used to a room you know I've talked to a lot of other comedians and and they all talk about different prep time before they're ready to uh, record a special or an album or something like that. What is it for you, or were you just ready because you had been on the road a little bit? I have a bunch of road work leading up to the album. My schedule allowed me to do that. But yeah, you have to... Uh you got to work real hard to make it look easy, Jim. So, yeah, uh, right. You need, you need time to, and you also have to figure out how you, how your machine works, how your process works. I process a lot by listening. So audio recordings are kind of special to me because that's how I first. That was the first delivery system I took comedy in in the in the comedy album. Yeah, and and with all the technology we have now, I mean, I remember I used to travel with a little tape recorder, and then I would get uh, the little micro cassettes, and then the mini discs, and now it's just on your phone. I can't wait to see you. Adam Ferrara is at Top Golf August twenty fourth and twenty fifth. They're nine o'clock shows. You can go to topgolf.com if you need more details about tickets. Also, the unconditional album. Order that at adamferrara.com as well. Great catching up with you. You too, my friend. Thank you for taking the time for me, and, uh, and hopefully I'll see you in Vegas. You got it. See you then. Take care. Thanks, Adam. You know, back when I was having Adam on my morning radio show years ago, I had no idea that he'd turn out to be such a great actor, and I'm very happy for him. That brings us to the end of this edition of The Fake Show. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.